Sky Sports Radio combined with Harness Racing New South Wales brings you On The Pace for your daily dose of news and tips. Good morning. Welcome to On The Pace. Uh, two days after the Eureka, the world's richest harness race was run at Menangle. Michael Guerin joining you after a wonderful weekend in Sydney. I loved being part of the huge event. If you didn't catch it, well... You must have been doing something pretty cool for the last 36 hours or so because most people in racing did. And we've had heaps of great feedback from our friends in the Greyhound and Galloping communities about how they enjoyed this mega slot race, which was taken out, as Dave said before the break, by the only mare in the race. Let's go back to Saturday night. Here's Fred Hastings with the richest harness race in the world. They're about to run for the glory. It's Catch a Wave, the leader. Ahead in front of Leap to Fame, getting out after it. On the inside, Captain Ravishing, all dressed up, nowhere to go. And then came the Lost Storm. Ed Cypher's putting in a claim. The mare, she's coming quickly. As Leap to Fame quickly goes to Catch a Wave. Here comes the mare. In Cypher down the outside. The mighty mare's out after Leap to Fame. And Cypher goes up, puts the nose in front, comes away. A famous victory. And Cypher beats Leap to Fame. Third Captain Ravishing fourth home in the race, getting home late was magician a good run, and then came speak the truth. When you think of all the great races in Australia, it's not often you get to be part of the first of anything. It's been an awfully long time since the first Melbourne Cup or the first Cox Plate, the first Miracle Mile, even the first Everest seems a long time ago now. But in Cypher and 10,000 screaming joyous fans that got to enjoy that special moment in the Eureka. Trained by Emma Stewart, Luke McCarthy, the king of Menangle, did the driving. Leap to fame was massive in second for trainer-driver Grant Dixon. And Captain Ravishing, something of a renaissance for him, and he's redeemed himself a touch after some Menangle failures, including the Miracle Mile. He was third for Ahmed Tabor and Greg Sugars, magician doing Tasmania proud in fourth spot. Being a slot race, obviously somebody had to buy the slot, and when they bought that slot, they weren't aware, or even probably even thought, they'd be chasing in Cypher and would get her. One of the people behind that slot for Summit Bloodstock, who's become huge movers in Australian harness racing, in the last 12 to 18 months is Jamie Dernberger-Smith. Uh, Jamie, thank you for joining us this morning to talk about the logistics and the joy of Saturday night. And knowing you boys, I'm picking yesterday and into last evening was a long and, shall we say, dehydrating experience. Good morning to you. Hey, Mick. Thank you for having me on. Um, well, that replay, Fred Hastings' call, that just smothered me in goosebumps again uh, it's been one hell of a wild wild ride um late nights yeah you're right there finish up at 5 a.m the last couple of nights um boy oh boy what has just happened Let, let's talk about because some people listening to this um wouldn't know summit bloodstock so what's it all about how did you start this why did you start it and i believe you're number of syndicated winners is up to something quite staggering in about six or seven years, around just under 1,300. Yeah, so we've been going now for three and a half years, so half that. It's been a wild ride. Um, sorry, one sec. <coughs> yeah, wild ride. Uh, my business partner and I, 
we started this. Sorry, I'm just choking up. <laughs> we started uh, Summer Bloodstock just three and a half years ago. Um, just thought to ourselves, we buy a couple of horses. We bought a couple of horses. Um, started off with My Better Lady, who ended up being at Emma Stewart's and really did a massive job. And then we just got some of our friends involved and then just become an evolving beast. We had just more people just asking us, can we jump into horses? Can we jump into horses? And it built that way. And now we've got close to, tick over 400 horses. There's about 2,200 owners, about 1,800 to 1,900 of them. Never owned a horse before. It's We're just trying to just bring it back to the Harold Park days when it was just absolutely packed, like it was at Menangle on Saturday night. It was just... The crowd was capacity, as you said, 10,000 people. That turn away people, it was just an incredible thrill. There's no reason why harness racing can't be like the gallops where the Everest gets absolutely packed out. And Andrew Kelly, Peter Buckman, John Dummersey, the job that they did here is going to change our game and we're going to get to that next level. So I'm super excited and, yeah, just very grateful and blessed. J- Jamie, I'll talk to you about... Saturday and, and what happens next shortly, but those numbers for many people who haven't heard of Summit Bloodstock till today, if they're outside the harness racing industry, are enormous. Is this a case where it now becomes a very separate business with employees? Because even the billing alone, the monthly accounts, must be massive. Talk us through the logistics of what's going on there, and for people listening at home who think, OK, that sounds cool, how do they get involved if they want to get involved, or in fact, can they get involved? Yeah, definitely. We we want to do this with people. We want everyone from that's got any budget. Doesn't matter if it's fifty dollars, hundred dollars, ten thousand dollars, anything to get involved with us. Um, the plan is uh, through via Aaron Bain Racing. He does a lot of our handling of the, of the owner's side, so. It's very easy to contact. You just head over to aaronbainracing.com.au um, or you just send us an email. You just jump on our websites. Just contact us. We want as many people as we can, as many bums on seats at the races. So we're on target for a bit over 600 winners for this year. So it's evolving immensely. It's about three to four times each year from when we started. Um, we're not going to stop. We're off to America in two weeks' time for the Lexington sales and a little brown jug. Just gonna, we want to spread this around the world and then we're going to head over to Sweden um, in a month's time and yeah, do it everywhere. Get as many horses as we possibly can, as many bums on seats and really make harness racing the sport of the future. Mate, mate I love it. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Let, let's talk about the logistics of getting a horse or, or a slot. I know you had to apply for a slot and with the connections you've got and, and the way you guys go about your business, you are deemed to be good slot holders, and I think it's fantastic that you got it. What about getting a horse? Because this is different from the Everest. You can't just take any horse in the world. You have to take an Australian-bred three- or four-year-old, and, and the three big ones went very quickly. Leg to fame, Captain Ravishing, and Catch a Wave. So once they were gone, did you think, uh, we're in a bit of trouble here? Talk us through getting in Cypher, and while the commercial sensitivities may not allow you to tell us the exact numbers... Where do you start with the slot as regards to negotiations? Do you negotiate, for example, would it have cost more to get Catch a Wave? 
than it cost percentage-wise of the winning stake to get a, uh, in Cypher. So just talk us through some of those things for people who um, probably are fascinated by how this works. So from the start, we tended for the slot. We Everyone had to do a pitch. Um, we created a pitch of what we thought we could do for the industry. Um, we worked extremely hard on it. Uh, we were talking with Charles Oliveira. We had him lined up. Um, the UFC brought on a, a clause that if you had a title fight, that, that would squash that. So that ended up happening. But it was free advertising for us, basically. It was shown across ESPN, Fox News, around the world. So that was how we started it. Um, and then we did go for the big players. We went for the Lost Storm. We were going to go to Catch the Wave. We went for Captain Ravishing. We had no luck there. And then we just decided we'd take a, just a seat back and just oversee what was going on. And Emma Stewart was really pushing for Encipher. She said to us, I think she can win it. She just needs the right run. So she's the queen of harness racing. So we listened to her. Um, and then we just went into negotiations. And you are right there when it's about the percentages. Generally, to get the like one of the favourites, you would have to give off more of a percent of your slot to be able to get that horse. Um, for us and for our slot holders, because we broke our slot into little mini shares, we've got about over 100 people that are in our slot with us because we wanted to make it for the people. Any, any average Joe could have jumped in and done this with us, and a lot of them have had an amazing ride so far. So we went down that route, and we, I can't go for the logistics of exactly what percentage we did, but we definitely did a favourable percentage for the slot holders. Is it an unusual experience to go to a race? And, and the horse, while it paid $26 official price, it was never rightly a $26 chance. I think most people in our side of the business thought it was about a 10 to $12 chance. But is it unusual going to the races when you don't have that pressure? Because if you had had Leap to Fame or Catch a Wave, there's such anticipation about what you can pull off. As it was, many punters wouldn't have thought about Encipher till about the 300-metre mark when Luke unleashed her. How was that experience of going there as people who are go-getters when you weren't expected to win? I think it, would, it made it a lot more special. Uh, we definitely didn't expect it. None of us expected it. I, I remember seeing uh, Brad Elder. He's a part of our slot. Encipher <laughs> went over the line. Um, just the complete what has happened. Just Casper the Ghost. It was just, oh, just the most amazing feeling for everyone. For the, for the Linky family, they bred her in South Australia. They own her still. Uh, for them, just incredible. And for all our South Australian connection, Aaron Bain and all the boys and girls that come up from South Australia, we've just com- completely unexpected to win the race and to win it. it. It just feels like a dream. I was talking to Emma only five minutes ago and it still feels like a dream for both of us. We just can't believe it. I spoke to Emma on Saturday night. Um, she had the family there, the girls, as she often does have. And she said, look, it's not our decision to make, but obviously the owner, um, the Linky family from, from Tyson Linky from South Australia, said they might even retire the horse, which surprised me a little bit. Has she given you any update on that or is that a decision they make further down the line? Because I suppose as good a horse as she is, all of a sudden she doesn't have a lot more to prove. Yeah, I, I haven't had gone down the logistics of that with Tyson and Emma. Um, 
personally, I I kind of agree that there's really nothing for her more to do. Um, if I owned her, I'd probably do an embryo transfer and keep racing her so that I can still have foals. Um, I would go down that route. Uh, she's just been a magnificent horse. Um, embryo transfer, head over to America, try to take on the world. That would be an option because she is an absolute champion. She's one of the best mares we've ever seen. What happens next? Because you can't take her for the Eureka next year, whether she's retired or not, she'll be five. When do you start thinking about next year's Eureka? Because bizarrely, because it's such a, not small, but it's a definite um, smaller crop of horses you can go after. And I think we saw the other day the three-year-olds might struggle in these races. So the horses who are going to be four next season are led by the Lost Storm, or a guy we're about to talk to very shortly, Nathan Turnbull's Better Be The Best. Is it a case that, unlike the Everest, you try and lock in horses a lot earlier because I'm pretty darn sure Better Be The Best and the Lost Storm are going to be two of the ten horses in this race next year? So we will go into negotiations straight away. Um, that will start happening this week. But we definitely won't lock in a horse this far out. As we know, it's horse racing. Anything can happen. So we'll just keep our eyes on the game. Um, we've thought into the future as well. We bought many yearlings at last year's yearling sale for this race um, that we've had a lot of owners jump into. And that's the route we're going down. We want to keep this slot forever. For as long as we're alive, we want to keep this slot. So we'll just keep buying yearlings and then keep watching the races, keep talking to people and definitely keep our uh, hand on the pulse. But when it comes to locking in, we definitely wouldn't be doing it this early on our end. Jamie, it, it's a wonderful story. Um, obviously, I've known you guys for a while, but have been watching more or less from afar. I, I didn't know the numbers had got that big. Um, just once again, for people who are listening to this, and there are other syndication companies, I'm not saying this is the only one they should look into, but for people who, who loved what they saw on Sky Thoroughbred Central or on track on Saturday night, how would they get involved in being part of this rather large and growing machine you put together? So just head over to all of our socials. So it's either Aaron Bain Racing or Summit Bloodstock on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all our, or our websites, um, summitbloodstock.com.au or aaronbainracing.com.au and just flick us a message. Um, all our phone numbers are on there or give us a call. We're available 24-7. We work on this 24-7. It's, a, it's at least a 16-hour-a-day job every, every day, but it's not a job because it's our passion. We absolutely love it. And, yeah, we'd love to give everyone the feeling that we felt, that feeling of complete euphoria. It's... Only only the sport can give you this. It is the most amazing feeling, and it doesn't cost very much to get involved. So, Jamie, congratulations. Um, it, it is it a wonderful occasion, and you guys um, invested your money well before you knew you had a chance of winning the race. Um, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing how the story unfolds. Um, I, I struggle to say this without sounding like your dad, but maybe it's a good idea you should get some sleep at some stage in the next couple of days. <laughs> Um, can't buy horses if I'm asleep. No, well that's true, and you're pretty good at buying horses. I'm um, trying to do a bit of both, um, mate. Thanks for joining us on Sky Sport Radio this morning. Thank you for having me on, Mick. Have a great day, mate.
big numbers. Um, he did well to get through that, Jamie. As anybody who's had a big weekend would know, sometimes on Monday morning the voice isn't the best. Another guy who's used to having big weekends with uh, his stable star better be the best is Nathan Turnbull, having a wonderful year and season. Now, there were four Group 2 races uh, away from the Open Class and Eureka races. They were the uh, Breeders' Challenge Blue Finals, and Nathan trains and drives better be the best who took out the three-year-old one, and he just bolted, and he's won the New South Wales Derby. He's a very, very good horse. Nathan, congratulations to you. Uh, I got a chance to see him in the flesh on Saturday night, and he's just turning into a beautiful colt. Yeah, how you going, Mick? Thanks a lot. Yeah, he, he really is one in a million. He's uh, just taking the next step every time we get him in, and it's exciting to see what the future holds. Must be a strange thing going to a race as a dollar fifteen favourite. I mean, they are winks like odds, and that's after drawing just about the outside of the front line. And you just kept on going forward. It drove him like he was the best horse in the race, and he was in many ways. Nathan, it's you're on a hiding to nothing because if you go there and you get beat, you look a mug. Yeah, it's one of them things. Um... Yeah, the hundred out, it got the better of me and started saluting. And it's, you know, half jubilant and half a relief and all of that combined, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a bit of a pressure when you're that short going into it, but it's handy when you know you've got the best horse in it and he, he will always make you look good. Now, you had the opportunity and your owner, Chris Bettergig, had the opportunity to actually race this horse in the Eureka. Why did you choose not to? And when you were watching the Eureka... Were you comfortable you made the right decision? Yeah, we had a good long discussion about it very early on and it was always our plan to bypass it just because racing the older boys, you know, like Catch a Wave and Leap to Fame, they're, you know, amazing. And as it was, the four-year-old mayor won it. And um, I, I got a lot of respect for the lost Storm. He's an amazing three-year-old himself. And, you know, he, he was sort of found out, you know, he got beat a bit and um, finished seventh and, you know, tried his guts out, whereas... We jogged around in another race and, you know, for we always knew we had the blue on that night. It's not as if we were sitting at home in the box doing nothing and uh, we sort of thought, well, we'd have to run top three in that race against them amazing horses to earn what we could in the blue and, you know, do half the work we would have had to do. So watching the race, obviously, yeah, it would have been amazing to be a part of, but, you know, we're, you know all going well. Hopefully we can be the big dog in it next year. All right, what do you do now between now and the end of the three-year-old season? Because obviously there's a lot of options for a horse like him. Where do we see better be the best? Yeah, he's got a Breeders' Challenge heat uh, in a fortnight from this Wednesday. And um, so he's got that series to go through. And then there is the Victoria Derby, which we've talked about, but sort of we're happy to bypass it as well because it's so close to the Breeders' Challenge. So, yeah, really his main aim as a three-year-old is just this Breeders' Challenge and then um, look to wrap him up in cotton wool and really have him primed for the Chariots, which is early next year, and aim for the Chariots and then the Eureka is main two sort of next year. So as much as there's a lot of options, we're sort of probably not going to be doing too much because, yeah, we've got such a big four-year-old campaign planned for him. It must be a strange um, thing to be thinking of a race a year away, but the Eureka is worth so much, and it's landed with such a ginormous thud 
in the harness racing industry that it must be hard not to think about it every day because you know he's going to get a slot. Um, I said on the coverage on Saturday night, if I was a slot holder, I'd be trying to get him now because I don't think he's going to get any worse. Is it strange to be thinking, yep, Chariots of Fire and all these other wonderful races, but already you've got one target? Yeah, that's right, and uh, it is strange to, you know, think this far out, but with these horses, you've got to map out a plan and um, have them spot on and, you know, peaking at the right time. It's not something you can just decide, you know, a couple of weeks out, yeah, we might aim for that. We, you've really got to have a good roadmap leading into it and have the miles in their legs and things like that. So as much as it is probably, you know, wishful thinking that you're going to be in it in a year's time, it's something you'd really have to think, well, you're probably going to be, so start planning for it. Nathan, you've been around the game for a long time and your son Jet has started driving and he's just started his career with a real bang and I think a lot of people really enjoy that. But is it different when you've got one of the horses? Like you now have a horse that people talk about. You have a horse that people may turn on the television to watch. How does it feel having one of those horses and not just aside from what he's doing for your stable, he's really flying the flag for the whole Bathurst region? Yeah, sometimes you have to pinch yourself, to be honest. The amount of messages you get the day before and day of, wishing you luck, and then you get back to your phone after the race and there's a million messages congratulating you. You know, you have to pinch yourself, that's for sure. But um, to go through it, I was old enough to, you know, enjoy it with Dad with Smooth Satin. I worked for Dad then, and, um, yeah, and now I've sort of got one of my own, really. And, um, yeah, he definitely is a very special horse with a big following and it's um yeah i'm just glad it's me that's going through it with him i saw your owner chris buttergig on the coverage on saturday then had a great chance to talk to him and meet his partner on saturday night and he said when we decided to buy this horse which i think was only for twenty thousand dollars and chris said look it was my last twenty thousand i don't have that sort of money lying around i'm not one of those people who can just peel off 20 grand um it's, it's changed his life already and he looks like a kid who's just discovered candy walking around Menangle. It's a great story when you think of a guy who's put that much money. He's a sole owner, and he's put it into this horse, and he might have a million-dollar colt. Yeah, he's. Uh, we're, we both we rang each other yesterday afternoon for about an hour, and we were both just the same. We were like two kids in a candy shop. Where it's just amazing that we're going through it together, and he's become a real close friend. And, yeah... To enjoy the ride with someone that it means so much to, not just the money, he just absolutely loves the horse as well. And to think that I've played a part in, you know, yes, yeah, setting him up for life, it's pretty special and he's always very thankful. And, um, yeah, no, nah, we've made a pact from this very start that as long as me and him are always on the same page and, you know, you don't let anyone else get in our heads, you know, we're, we'll stick through the thick and thin of it all and... Um, that's like we talked about the Eureka straight away yesterday and all of this sort of stuff. And like we said, yeah, we, we would like to probably lock down a slot pretty early. You don't want to be, you know, a month out thinking, bloody hell, we still haven't got a slot and what's going on and that because it is out of our hands a touch. But, um, yeah, no, we had a good long talk and we're on the same page. And, um, yeah, we're just both super thankful that we, you know, fate brought us together through this horse and we're both enjoying the ride together. It's a great story, Nathan. I'm enjoying watching it from afar too. Um, I know plenty of people in the Bathurst region are. I wouldn't be surprised if you get a slot out there. But 
Uh, I would say it's a dollar one. It's a tab eureka, so we're talking bedding. It's a dollar one. You'll have a slot by Christmas. The question is who you decide to get into bed with. It's going to be a lot of fun to find all these things out, Nathan. Um, thank you. Uh, well done on how the family's doing. Young Jet has had a remarkable start to his driving career. I'm done they could be getting a steer on better be the best anytime soon. But, mate, we're looking forward to going on this ride with you and Chris and this wonderful cult over the next year and maybe even further into his career. Yeah, no, nah, thanks a lot. And I can assure you, Jet not driving better be the best isn't for him like a try, and that's for sure. I'll bet it's not. <laughs> it's <laughs> Nathan Turnbull, his son Jet, who... Uh, has just started driving and is doing the family name so proud. As you heard, Nathan's dad, of course, Steve trained the wonderful Smooth Satin. And better be the best has got a fair bit of time to go to get to Smooth Satin's level. He won an Inter-Dominion in a Miracle Mile, but he's a hell of a good horse. Um, talking about young stars in the game, it's remarkable to think how young he is, Cameron Hart, because he seems to now be regularly winning major races. It wasn't a Group 1 on Saturday night, it was a Group 2 with Tin Tin Joe, but... Cam once again got the job done for those who took the shorts and Cam it must be a pretty cool time in your life you're involved in races like Eureka's you're winning million dollar races in Perth you're winning Blacks of Fakes up in Queensland and you just popped in and had a nice quiet Saturday night at Menangal and won a group two race um, gee Cam Hearts came a long way in two and a half years yeah morning Mick yeah it's been uh, pretty incredible you kind of have to pinch yourself sometimes so um, yeah to be able to Travel around Australasia and all these big races, it's pretty incredible. And obviously Saturday night was, uh, yeah, it was great to be involved in the inaugural running of the Eureka. It was definitely a great night at the track. With, um, you won the, the group... My apologies, Kev. You won the group two um, with Tintin Joe, who was formerly trained by your good mate Jason Grimson, now trained by your sister Ashley, who's taken the horse over. Um, that must have been kind of nice. I mean, it's almost a, a sort of a dual training win because Jason deserves some of the credit for that. But Ashley's name's against the horse, and it must be wonderful to have those family moments on a big race night. Yeah, for sure. Ash has been a big supporter of mine uh, throughout my career, and she's a great horsewoman herself. So uh, to be able to link up and get a big win like that is yeah, pretty special for all the family. Look, you only finished sixth in the Eureka, but I thought you did a hell of a job on my ultimate Ronnie. Um, you had to go back at the start. Um, it was no place for the faint-hearted out there, mate. They were really rolling along, and one of those races where afterwards it was hard to be disappointed in too many horses, probably apart from Catch a Wave because he was so well-favoured. But thought your boy, my ultimate Ronnie, did a really good job. Yeah, for sure. He was incredible. He couldn't have went any better. And he went 50.9 his last mile, so uh, yeah, it's really good going. And he's probably unlucky not to run fourth. He just had a little bit of a checkered passage up the straight, but uh, yeah, he made some really good ground in some of those strong sectionals. But yeah, it's definitely an, a great race to be part of. Cam, it's an unusual time in harness racing. There's a few things going on with disqualifications and appeals and all that sort of stuff. And we're not going to get into the logistics of those, but just for those people bidding into markets, because this is relatively important, and you may not know the answer to this. Blacks of Fake uh, was one. The Blacks of Fake was won by a horse called Swayze. And is Swayze's immediate future up in the air, or depending on what happens with Jason, how likely do you think? the horse is to go to the New Zealand Cup because that was the talk he was going to go to the New Zealand Cup so I don't want to get into the DQs and all that sort of stuff and the appeals that's still ahead of the panel but do you think you'll be at the New Zealand Cup and do you think Swayze will be there? Yeah I'm hoping to be there and um, 
yeah, had a little bit of a chat to a few of the connections on Saturday about, Saturday about that horse, and uh, yeah, still definitely a chance to be in New Zealand. Obviously, there's a few things we've got to get worked out, but uh, yeah, we wouldn't write ourselves off uh, to be there yet. All right, um, something not quite so glamorous as the Eureka or the New Zealand Cup is banks down today, but you know what? There'll still be winners to be found there. First race of six goes at one twenty-three. Um, you've got a really solid book of drives for David Waite, who you, you drive for quite often when you head to Bankstown. Not going to go through the whole card, Cam, but have you had a chance to look at them this morning, and can you tip our listeners into your best Cam Hart chance for the day? Yeah, I've got a good book of drives, Nick, with a few chances, but I think um, the best of you, she's a nice filly. Um, she's run a couple of good races in a row and probably gets a winnable race in race four, so... I think she'll be a uh, top chance today. All right, mate. Um, congratulations um, to, to not only to yourself for getting a Group 2, which is par for the course these days for you, but to your sister Ashley for training one. And, mate, the Eureka, your last thoughts on it as someone who rocks up to Menangle for the trials and for normal Tuesday meetings. What was it like to be there uh, with that many people there and that much hype and... What did you make of the overall build-up and the experience of the Eureka? Yeah, I thought it was awesome, uh, Mick. Probably from when it got announced, uh, the Eureka, I thought the build-up, uh, yeah, just kept getting bigger and bigger. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely a fun week to be part of um, with the barrier reveal. And then, obviously, the atmosphere at the track uh, was nothing I've ever seen at Menanga before. It was just absolutely incredible going out for that race on the track, um, look into the crowd and, see so many thousands of people there um, supporting harness racing and yeah, I just think the race is going to keep getting bigger and bigger as the years go on and hopefully um, yeah, it can keep continuing and be a success Mate, we appreciate your time on a Monday morning, um, get around safe at Bankstown today Thanks mate Cameron Hart who's always very good with his time here on Sky Sport Radio So the Eureka, we put it to bed for 2023, a fantastic inaugural running Thanks to all the slot holders for investing their money. Andrew Kelly and Harness Racing Australia for doing a great job. Um, obviously, Peter Buckman and Harness Racing New South Wales were huge in overseeing the race, and Bruce Christensen and David Watson from Clubman Angle. A lot of moving parts to this, and from what I could see, none of the moving parts didn't work. Um, there was great coverage in The Telegraph, led by Adam Hamilton, so we thank Ray Thomas for that. And Sky Sport Radio, of course, had huge coverage, and it was on Sky Thoroughbred Central, which is as big as it gets. Um, and plenty of our Gallops listeners and Greyhound listeners were able to watch it too. So I think plenty of people got it right, and it's good to get these things right. Like we learnt with the Everest a few years ago, a good first one's cool, now it's just got to get better. How we do that, I don't know but they've got plenty to build upon after a wonderful experience on Saturday night. That's Sky Sports Radio's On The Pace here after the Eureka. We'll be back trying to find you winners from 10.30 on Wednesday morning with Brittany Graham.